reading this morning from the the book of Matthew chapter 16. I'll also uh, be reading from Acts chapter 2, the gospel according to Matthew chapter 16 and from the book of Acts chapter 2. And from Acts chapter 2, I'll be reading beginning with the 36th verse, but from Matthew 16, let's begin at the 13th verse. The word of the Lord says this, when Jesus came into the coasts of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And I want to speak to you from Acts chapter 2 as well, beginning with verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, What shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I want to speak to you for a few moments this morning on this subject, the keys to the kingdom. The keys to the kingdom. Could we lift up our voices to the Lord and ask his blessing upon the preaching of his word? God, I thank you for your presence that fills this house and fills the lives of those that have gathered. I pray that you would minister in Jesus' name through your word. Allow me to be anointed to preach. Allow all of us to be anointed to receive. Help us, I pray to understand the goodness and the grace and the power of your great name and word and spirit. Lord, I pray for your anointing to fall, for your anointing to flow. We ask it in the mighty and the matchless name that is above every name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. And amen. You may be seated. God bless you in the name of the Lord. In the word of the Lord, we read about a heathen king. His name is Nebuchadnezzar, and Nebuchadnezzar was a king. Yes, you could also say he was an emperor because he truly did rule over an empire. And he would rule over what you could safely say was the world because truly the region where he reigned was was really the epicenter of of the world control of that day. And Nebuchadnezzar 
ruled with an iron fist. He answered to no one. He had a very high estimation of himself, saw himself really as a deity, if you please, certainly wanted others to see him that way. And, and so it is interesting that in the book of Daniel, recording the happenings of Nebuchadnezzar's reign and, and the life of Daniel at that time, it's interesting that, that we read about a moment in Nebuchadnezzar's life where he is greatly troubled by a dream that awakens him in the night and, and the dream has rattled him. Uh, he is uneasy about this dream. It, it, has, it has left him shook, if you please. And he, he doesn't know what to make of it, and he wants answers, and he wants them now. And so he immediately sends out uh, requests and demands for people to come who can help him understand the nature of this dream. And so the people who he called upon, of course, in those days, they were, they were all superstitious people. So he calls upon soothsayers and Chaldeans and magicians and fortune tellers and card readers. I mean, he'd called on people who considered themselves psychics and he expected that, that if anybody could help him know about the meaning of this dream, that it would be them. And so he called them together from wherever they were. They were stumbling out of bed. They were, they were pulling themselves together and, and making themselves presentable, coming before Nebuchadnezzar, and he is demanding, I've had a dream. I'm uneasy about it. I have this eerie feeling. It doesn't sit well with me, and I need you to tell me the interpretation of this dream. And they're like wiping the sleep out of their eyes, and they're trying to get their bearings and, and hear what he's saying. And, and they said, okay, okay, we'll help you. We'll, we'll help you. We just need you to tell us what was the dream. And to that he said, that's the problem. I don't remember what the dream was. So I, I actually need more from you today than what I've asked of you in times past. I need you to tell me not just the meaning of the dream, but I need you to tell me what the actual dream was. And this left them standing flat-footed because they were expecting him to give them this real detailed description of every detail of the dream that he had in the night, and then they were going to just make stuff up and tell him that this means that and that means this, and if you do that, then that means this, and, and he, they had none of that to work with. So the charade was like over. They said anything. Just do you remember, do you recall anything from the dream? Is there just a little, where were you in the dream? Was it you in the dream? Were you, you know, you, dreams are crazy. You have all sorts of different details that emerge in dreams. And they can come from any part of your life. And, and they just kind of collide in this nonsensical dream and, and Nebuchadnezzar was like I've got nothing to tell you other than the fact I had a dream and I need you to tell me the meaning they said well we can't tell you the meaning if you don't tell us the dream and in that moment he realized these guys are frauds they've been faking all these years and he ordered their execution he ordered the execution of every wise man in the kingdom 
But one of those men who was considered to be a wise man, his name was Daniel, and he really was a wise man. He wasn't just a wise guy. He was a wise man. And so when word got to him that the king has ordered the execution of everybody who considers themselves to be wise, Daniel was like, wait a minute. Why, why, why do we have to die? Why, why do we have to die again? Well, because the king has ordered the execution of everyone who calls them or, or is considered to be wise because they cannot interpret his dream. He said, I'll interpret his dream. I'd be happy to interpret his dream. Where is he? They bring Daniel before him. And of Daniel, they said he had in him an excellent spirit. Falsely and misguidedly, they said that he had the spirit of the gods in him. They didn't understand that he didn't have the spirit of their gods in him, but he had the Holy Spirit of the one true and living God that would move upon him as he spoke the word of the Lord. So Daniel is standing before the king and the king is demanding answers and, and Daniel steps forward and says, Oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, I, I'm, I'm going to do this, okay? I'm going to interpret this dream, but before I do, I need you to understand it is not by my wisdom that I'm going to interpret this dream. And it's not by my ability that I'm going to, in, to interpret this dream. But he said, it's going to be by the God of heaven that I serve, that my fathers have served, the God of Israel. It is by his wisdom that I'm going to interpret this dream. So just get ready. Here it comes. The thoughts in your head upon your bed were these. There was an image. And at the top of the image was a golden head. And that golden head gave way to a, a silver chest. And the silver chest gave way to a belly of brass and legs of iron and feet of iron and clay. And you watched. And, and as he's describing it, Nebuchadnezzar starts to, it starts to, to come back to him. And he's, he's, he's responding. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. That's it. That's, that's it. Yeah, I remember that now. Right, there was an image and it had a golden head. And, and Daniel said, you watched in your dream until there was a stone cut out of the mountain without hands. And that stone struck the image at the feet. And when the stone struck the image, the entire image from top to bottom crumbled it, shattered into pieces. And the stone replaced the image. And the stone started to grow until the stone became a mountain and the mountain began to grow until it filled the whole earth. That was your dream. And everybody stood in awe of what Daniel had just said and Nebuchadnezzar confirmed it. Yes, that is exactly what I had dreamt. That's, those were the thoughts in my head, upon my bed. He nailed it, Daniel, you, you nailed it. Now I got a question, what does it mean? And Daniel said, this is what it means. That golden head on top of the image is your kingdom. And that silver chest that was underneath that golden head is a kingdom that is coming and it will replace yours. And, and there's a belly of brass and that belly of brass is another kingdom that will replace the silver kingdom. And an iron kingdom will replace the brass kingdom. And then finally a kingdom mixed of iron and clay will replace the iron kingdom and that stone that is cut out of the mountain without hands is going to strike the feet of that final kingdom. And, and the whole kingdom and every kingdom that has ever been established, yours and every subsequent kingdom 
will all come crashing down and they will be replaced by the kingdom of the God of heaven. And that kingdom of the God of heaven will replace every kingdom of earth and it will fill the whole earth with the glory of the Lord. Praise God. What, a, what an amazing revelation. And Nebuchadnezzar confirmed it. He affirmed it. In that moment, it was so riveting. In that moment, it was so palpable. You could feel the word of God had come forth. And so when it, when it happened, Nebuchadnezzar responded in the affirmative to say that this is the word of the Lord and, and the God of Israel is the true God. And he's, he's excited and he's, he's amped up and he's really, he's really thrilled about what he just heard. But just a few verses later, he had had some time to process what Daniel actually said. And he realized, I think he's saying my kingdom is going to come down. And Nebuchadnezzar said, my kingdom's not going anywhere. So he built a golden statue, not, not a statue that just had a golden head, but had a golden head and a whole golden body. And it was his effort at saying, there's not going to be any subsequent kingdom to follow this kingdom. This is the only kingdom. This kingdom is going to stand forever. It was the arrogance of Nebuchadnezzar. And he was, he was letting everybody know no silver kingdom, no brass, no iron, no iron and clay. No kingdom will follow my kingdom. My kingdom is set. And everybody's going to look to this image and everybody's going to bow to this image. And he commanded all people everywhere to bow to this image. And if, if you know the story, then you know where I'm going. If you don't, it was an amazing account in the word of the Lord. There were three Hebrew boys whose names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, but were changed by Nebuchadnezzar to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they were the three Hebrew children that would not bow to that golden image. And Nebuchadnezzar said, everybody's going to bow or we're going to throw them into the fiery furnace. And they said, we will bow to no God but the one true and living God of Israel. He said, you'd better bow or I will throw you into the fiery furnace. They said, throw us into the fiery furnace. We're still not going to bow. And this is what they said. They said, our God is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace. Now that statement is faith in the power of God to deliver. And then they said, and I love their pragmatism. They said, well, you know, he can, but he might not. The there's a chance he might not deliver us. And, and, and so he may not deliver us. That statement is a statement of faith in the wisdom of God. I have faith that God can. And I have faith that whatever he does is the right thing to do. I have faith in his power and I have faith in his wisdom. But one thing is for certain. I'm not bowing to anything or anybody but the Lord. I would to God that there were some young people in this house and I know there are who have made up in their mind I'm not bowing to this culture I'm not bowing to this world I'm not bowing to the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes the pride of life my soul is devoted to the king of kings my mind is devoted to the lord of lords hallelujah I will not bow I will not bow. Oh, hallelujah. 
Daniel was letting Nebuchadnezzar know you can build whatever kingdom you want, but I want you to know that every kingdom of this earth is coming down. Every kingdom of this earth is going to crumble. Every kingdom of this earth is going to shatter into a million pieces. And it's worth us understanding that today. That every kingdom of this earth is going to be replaced by the kingdom of God. Every political ideology is going to be replaced by the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Every principality, every power, every domain, every political administration, every stronghold, everything is going to come down and crumble in the face of the kingdom of God. We are a part of a heavenly kingdom and this kingdom is a rock and it is fixed. Hallelujah. And it is expanding to fill the whole earth with the glory of God. Hallelujah, we are not part, we are in this world, but we are not of this world. This world is not our home. We are just passing through. Our treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The kingdom of heaven is where we reside. And it is a kingdom that is within us. And this kingdom is the kingdom that will stand the test of time. There is no coup that can throw it down. There is no revolt that can undermine it. There is no assassination attempt. They've tried to martyr it. They've tried to burn it at the stake. They've tried to boil it in oil. They've tried to crucify it. They've tried to hang it upside down. They've persecuted this kingdom for so many years. It's been through the fire, but the fire couldn't burn it. It's been through the storm, but the wind couldn't turn it. I'm talking about the church triumphant it is built by the hand of the Lord I'm talking about the church in the book of Revelation built on the rock on a firm foundation it's been through the flood it's been through the fire but one of these days I said one of these old days this church is going to move up a little higher Oh, you better thank God you're in the church. I said, you better thank God you're in the church. Hey, I want you just to look around you for a moment. Just take a minute and look around you. You know they tried to shut us down, don't you? You know they tried to prevent us from being able to worship together, don't you? You know they thought we'd just scatter and scamper off, but they must not know about this kingdom. They must not know about this church. This church is only going to multiply. It's only going to expand. Hallelujah. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. You hear what I'm telling you? We're not afraid of the last days. I said, we're not afraid of the last days. We're not afraid of whatever comes against us in the last days. We are anointed and appointed. We are set apart. We are evangels of fire. We are ambassadors for Christ. We have the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. We're His kingdom. We're not afraid. Oh, glory. Oh, glory. John the Baptist came preaching this kingdom. He said, repent ye, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And when he talked about this kingdom that is at hand, they knew what he was talking about. They heard the statements. 
They heard the prophetic utterances. They knew that this was a kingdom. The prophets foretold it was a kingdom. It's unlike anything you've ever known. This kingdom is not like the kingdoms of this world. This kingdom is a kingdom where peace reigns. This kingdom is a place where there is hope and there is healing. A place where there is love and there is joy. A place where there is unity. Hallelujah. This is a place, you know, no ravenous beast will walk up in the highway to holiness. Do you know that there is no murderer? There are no burglars. Hallelujah. There are no rapists, no racists. There's no, there are, there's none of that in the kingdom of God. There's no, the Bible says that the wolf will lay down with the lamb. There's no predatory instinct inside of this kingdom. This is a kingdom where milk and honey flow like rivers. This is a kingdom, hallelujah, where the, where the, 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 the mountains skip like rams and the hills like little lambs. And this is a kingdom where, where there is love, hallelujah, everywhere you look there is peace and there is joy. And yes, this world is looking for this kingdom in all the wrong places. You can't find it in a bottle and you can't find it in a drug. You can't roll it up and smoke it. You can't find it in sinful activity. You can't find it in an illicit relationship. You can't find it in some doctrine of devils. You can't find it in a hideous political ideology that denies the existence of God. You can't find it in a worship of multiplicities of God. There is one God. His name is Jesus this is his kingdom and he's the king glory glory all is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore yes this is a place where you can raise your family this is a place where your life and your mind and your heart can be blessed. This is a place where you can trust your brother. Hallelujah. This is a place where you can love your neighbor as yourself. This is a place where you have the ultimate example of love. The love of Christ to be the guide for how to love one another. Yes, this is his kingdom. And right now it is within us. But it is going to manifest itself when he returns. Oh, yes, it is. Oh, bless his holy name. And John said, repent, because the kingdom is coming. And all this stuff you got in your heart that, 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 that can't cohabit, co-inhabit the kingdom, you're going to have to get it out of your heart. He said, the axe is laid at the root of the tree. He is coming and the, the chaff is going to be driven away. He's got a fan in his hand and he's going to thoroughly purge the floor. And if you better make sure you're wheat and not a tear. If, you, if you're a tear, you're going to be plucked out of this kingdom. You don't belong in the kingdom of God if you're a tear. You better be wheat. And if your heart's not right, you better get your heart right. If your spirit's not right, you better get your spirit right. It's time to repent for the kingdom of of heaven is at hand there aren't abusive people in the kingdom of heaven you hear what I'm telling you God's going to weed it all out you better make sure you don't have any of that junk in your spirit because when he uproots it he'll pull you out with it oh yes 
Oh, yes. Hallelujah. This kingdom is a kingdom. That, 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 that it's, it's different than any kind of kingdom you've ever experienced before. The Bible says that this kingdom, you don't have to worry about what you're going to face every day. The Bible says that concerning this kingdom, consider the lilies, how they toil not, neither do they spin. Yet Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed as one of these lilies. And if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is today in the field and tomorrow cast into the oven, how much more shall he clothe you? Take no thought, therefore, for the morrow. What you shall put on, what raiment you shall put on, what you shall eat, where you're going to go. Don't, don't worry about what tomorrow holds. Here's all you need to do. Seek first this kingdom of God and his righteousness the father knows what you have need of he knows what you have some of you are so worried and depressed and stressed about what might go wrong what could go wrong and Jesus was saying not in this kingdom we're not a stressful people not in this kingdom we're not a depressed people in this kingdom the father knows what you have need of you just seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything you need shall be added unto you. Man, that lifts a weight off my shoulders. I don't have to fret. I don't have to worry. I don't have to be depressed. I don't have to stress. All I've got to do is seek his kingdom and his righteousness. Everything else will be fine. I know that sounds simple, but this is a different kind of kingdom. It's a different kind of, this kingdom is not meat and drink. This kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And in that order, those weren't just random good quality words he just threw in there to fill up space in the scriptures. No, it's actually in that order. Righteousness comes first. You won't have any peace if you don't have righteousness. Sometimes we don't have peace because there's some unrighteousness somewhere. And we know it. And we're never at peace because there's some unrepented unrighteousness. But if you will take that unrighteousness and let God turn it to righteousness. Hey, hey, you know what? And while we're talking about righteousness, can I just throw this in there? You know the Bible never mentions the term self-righteousness. It mentions righteousness and it mentions unrighteousness. Self-righteousness is a word we made up. We just kind of prettied up unrighteousness. Gave unrighteousness a little religious twist. And said this is an unrighteousness you can have and, 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 and call it religion. But there's no place for it in the scriptures. It's either righteousness or it's unrighteousness. And what we call self-righteousness is unrighteousness. And if you've got unrighteousness in your heart, you've got to get it out of your heart and let the Lord give you righteousness. And when righteousness gets on you, when the righteousness of Jesus Christ covers you, you're going to start having peace that passes understanding. You're going to have peace like a river. You're going to go to bed with peace in your heart. You're going to wake up with peace in your soul because there's righteousness. You have nothing to stress about because you're not, there's not unrighteousness in your life. There's righteousness and it gives way to peace. And you let that peace settle for a little while and the next thing you know, you'll be happy. 
you'll have joy. That's the kingdom, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And that's the way the kingdom works. It's different. Jesus said, my, dip, my kingdom is different than any other kingdom. He tried to explain it to us through parables. He said it's, it's like a good shepherd that, that loses, has one lamb walk away from the fold and he leaves the 99, looks for the one lamb, puts it on his shoulders and brings it back and restores it to the hundred. And, and he said it's like a woman that, that has a coin, of, of one of ten that she can't find. And she throws the house in disarray and she finds that one coin and restores it to the, to the nine and, and it, it makes it out to ten again. And he said it's like a, a, a father whose son walked away and took his inheritance and, and this son is living riotously among the heathen and he spends everything he has on the wrong kind of living only to wonder if he could ever be welcomed back at his father's house but here's how my kingdom works when he comes to himself and makes his way back to his father's house he's expecting his father just to make him a servant maybe maybe if he's lucky but my kingdom the father is watching on the horizon hallelujah I know in some other kingdoms this, this young man should never show his face ever again but my kingdom is a different kind of kingdom the father is watching for the prodigal's return God, I'm not just in another church. I'm not just in another religious gathering. I'm in the kingdom and this kingdom is unlike anything we've ever known. Hallelujah. <laughs> he said it's like a treasure hid in the field and when you find out where the treasure is you better sell everything you have and go buy the whole field for the treasure in the field. It's like a pearl of great price. Sell everything you have. For that one pearl of great price. That's my kingdom. It's, it's different. He said it's not like the Gentiles where they lord over each other. And they, and they take great pride in who's lording over whom. He said my kingdom is different. He said if you want to know who the greatest in my kingdom is. I want to introduce you to them. And he calls a child to them. And he said if your faith is not like the faith of this child. You cannot enter into this kingdom. He, he said, you want to know who the greatest, the chiefest among you is? The chiefest among you is the servant of all. See, that's different. That's unlike every kingdom of this earth. Because in every kingdom of this earth, the servants are just the, the bottom of the ladder. Of the socioeconomic ladder. The servants are just way, way, way and, and in God's kingdom, it's just the opposite. In God's kingdom, the first shall be last. And the last shall be first. In God's kingdom, he said, no, I'm telling you that the greatest among you is the servant. They walk into the room and they've got water basins to wash feet. And they've got towels. And the disciples are kind of waiting for the first guy to kneel over and grab the towel. Because whoever does that is clearly affirming that they're the lowest in the room. And they're waiting. I'm not going to do it. Somebody's got to wash my feet because I'm not, the, I'm not the lowest guy in this room. And here came Jesus, the king of kings. The great I am, El Shaddai, 
Elohim, Yahweh in flesh, Jehovah Jireh, Mekadesh, Sitkanu, Shema, Shalom, Rofa, Rohai, Jesus, hallelujah, the altogether lovely, the fairest of 10,000, Jesus grabs a towel and says, I'll wash your feet because I'm the greatest in the room. Behold, a greater than Solomon is here. Behold, a greater than Jonah is here. And to show you my greatness, give me your feet. He starts washing their feet. Here's what we have to understand about servanthood. Servanthood is the majesty of God. The Bible says he thought it not robbery to be equal with God, took upon himself the form of a servant. And we think, I know what we think. We think, oh yeah, Jesus was a servant for three and a half years. He was really meek and lowly and humble and nice to everybody and very gracious and kind. And then he died. And then he was buried. And then he rose from the dead. And now. Like his nature changed or something. No, he's still a servant. At this very moment, my God, hallelujah, at this very moment, the glorified Christ is still the servant of all. If you don't believe me, call on him. Call on him. Go ahead, call on him. Call his name. Call his name. He will come to you. He'll come riding upon the wings of the wind. He'll come to your beck and call. What do you need? How can I help you? What can I do for you? Yes, he will, because he loves you with an everlasting love. Hey, he is as close as the mention of his name. He never stopped being a servant. He, he took upon himself the form of a servant because that's who he is. That's the glory of God to serve. You say, well, I thought we were supposed to serve him. We are supposed to serve him. But who do you think taught us how to serve? Serve the Lord with gladness. That's why we serve him with gladness. Because he serves us with love. You know that's why the queen of Sheba was so amazed at Solomon's temple. She talked about the half that had not been told. There was a half that apparently was so appealing that it, 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 it appealed to her and invited her from the uttermost parts of the earth. But then there was this other half that when she got there, there was no breath left in her. And she said, here's, here's what amazes me, Solomon. I mean, I came knowing it was the greatest thing anybody had ever seen. I came knowing that your wisdom was way beyond what anybody had ever heard. But what I didn't know is happy are thy servants. Blessed and prosperous are thy servants. That's different than any kingdom in the world. Servants are impoverished and enslaved. Servants are normally just nothing. But in Solomon's kingdom, which was a symbol of the kingdom to come, in Solomon's kingdom, they were blessed. Servants were happy. Servants were glad. They had money. They were well-to-do. The servants were prosperous. And the queen of the south said, nobody could explain to me how this worked like it does. There is one half of the gospel that can be told 
And it must be told. Go tell it on the mountain. Go tell it in the valley low. Go preach it in the highways and the byways and compel them to come. Yes, there is one half of the gospel that can be told. But there's another half of the gospel that cannot be told. It can only be experienced. I'll tell you the half I can tell you. That if you repent of your sins. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. If you turn from your wicked ways. Hallelujah. If you'll be baptized in his name. Filled with his spirit. You'll live abundantly. Not just abundantly, but eternally. And not just eternally, but abundantly. You hear what I'm telling you? Life everlasting. I can tell you that half. But... But you'll have to experience it for yourself to really know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, Yeah, this kingdom is different than any other kingdom, Jesus said. And, and then the next thing you know, they're dragging him off to crucify him. And those disciples were in shell shock because as much as they heard him talk about the kingdom, they were so excited for it to come to pass. But they, they missed the nuanced language and even the very straightforward language of it's within you. And my kingdom is not of this world, but, but it's inside of you and it's going to spread from there and you have to go tell every creature about it. And so when they saw him crucified, it was like devastating because they, they wanted him to go and overthrow the government and, and they were wondering why was, he, why was he crucified and apparently this is over. They forgot about his resurrection. Oh, friend, don't forget about his resurrection. When you're going through the wilderness that we just sang about, don't forget about the resurrection. My goodness, that's why those missionaries were willing to lay down their lives. They never forgot about the resurrection. He rose from the dead, showed himself alive by many infallible proofs, told them to go tarry at Jerusalem until they be endued with power from on high. Tarry for the promise of the Father. Hallelujah. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There were devout Jews out of every nation under heaven and they came to where they were receiving the Holy Ghost and these devout Jews, the Bible says that there were, there were people there who were from every nation and they spoke multiple languages. Very educated people. And they're looking in on these Galileans and the Galileans are all speaking different languages like Parthian and Pamphylian and Phrygian and Arabic and Grecian and, and uh, Cretan and all of these different languages are being spoken and and these people from other nations recognize the languages. And they say, we are from these nations, but they're not. These are Galileans. And, and we know some of them. And we know they don't know multiple languages. How are they speaking in languages wherein we were born, but they have no idea of the language? What meaneth this? Everybody say this. Then there was another group of people. And this other group of people, they were like me. They only knew one language. And so when they look at this crowd of people all speaking different languages, they look at them and say, what in the world are we looking at? And then they say, oh, yeah, 
I know what this is. <laughs> They're drunk. That's what this is. I've seen this before. Peter got up with the 11 and said to them, men and brethren, all you that dwell at Jerusalem, be it known unto you and hearken to my words. And he looked at the crowd that thought they were drunk and said, these men are not drunk as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. Then he looks at the educated crowd and said, you ask what does this mean? Everybody say this. He said, I'm going to tell you what this is. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Job. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. This is that. This speaking in other tongues. It's not craziness. It's that which was foretold by the prophet Joel. It's not absurdity. It's that which was foretold by the prophet Joel. And he began to preach Jesus to them. He preached Jesus. He preached Jesus from the Psalms. He preached his death. He preached his burial. He preached his resurrection from the Psalms. And explain that David saw the resurrection of Christ and spoke of the resurrection of Christ. And he was telling these Jews who knew the Psalms and knew the Old Testament, he was explaining to them that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah. And then he began to break the news to them. You took him and by wicked hands you crucified him and you slew him. And then it reached a culmination. The conviction was so thick. The tension was so thick. And he came to a point where he said, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for an absolute certain fact that this Jesus, who you just crucified a little while ago, God has made him both Jehovah and Messiah. When they heard this, and he established the case, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little, using the Psalms and the prophets to confirm that Jesus is in fact the Messiah and that the long-awaited king had come. And they crucified him. Their heart was pricked. Their heart was shattered in a million pieces. They didn't say, well, men and brethren, what, what, what are we going to do then? No, no, it was desperation. Men and brethren, what shall we do? The door is locked. The kingdom has come. It is over. We have missed our chance. The king came and the king was crucified. What are we going to do? Men and brethren, what shall we do? That's when Peter said, yeah, you're right, the door is shut. Yeah, you're right, the king came and went. Yeah, you're exactly right. Like Noah's ark's door being shut, this thing has shut tight. But you know what he did? He did give me some keys.
Maybe this moment is what those keys he gave me are for. Peter remembered a day when Jesus was talking to his disciples. And Jesus said, let me ask you guys a question. Who do men say that I am? Who do you hear around town that I am? And some said, I heard one guy say you were Jeremiah. And I was down at the grocery store the other day and somebody said you were Elijah. And I was sitting at, at Dunkin' Donuts or Tim Hortons. And somebody said that you were John the Baptist or Zephaniah, Zechariah, Haggai, Malachi, Micah. One of the prophets. Just, just one of the prophets. And then Jesus said, okay, now let me ask you what I really want to ask you. Who do you say that I am? Because it, at the end of the day, listen, listen, listen. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter who everybody else says that he is. It matters who do you say that he is. I'll preach my guts out. Your pastor, your bishop, your youth president will preach until they can't preach anymore who Jesus is. But when you walk out of this room, you better know who Jesus is. You had better know for yourself. And Peter stood up and said, I know who you are. You are the Messiah. You are the long-awaited son of the living God. Jesus said, you nailed it, Peter. And upon this rock of revelation, I'm going to build my church. Hey, and I just got news for you. That rock Jesus was talking about is the same rock that was hewn out of the mountain without hands in Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And that kingdom Daniel prophesied is the kingdom Jesus was talking about. Upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. I've got some keys, I've got some keys, I've got some keys. Yeah. Yes, you're right. The door is locked. It's locked shut. It's locked tight. Except a man be born of the water and of the spirit. He cannot enter. It's shut. But there are some keys. And if you put, and you know what? Praise the Lord. The keys y'all gave me have three keys on this keychain. It's perfect. Because there are three keys Peter gave them. Repentance. Hallelujah. Uh, it's, it, listen, repentance is not hate speech. Repentance is love speech. Repentance is the key out of this mess and into his glory. Repentance, turning from your sin. Listen, you, you absolutely should feel sorry for your sins, but I'm not just talking about feeling sorry for what you've done. I've seen people weep and cry and never repent. I've seen people be remorseful and never repent. Esau sought for a place of repentance carefully with tears, but it's not about crying. It's about turning, turning, turning from your wicked ways. Hear what the Lord said. The Lord said that he'll pour out indignation upon the wicked for their wickedness but if the wicked will turn from their wickedness the Lord will remember their wickedness no more now beware because he also said if the righteous will turn from their righteousness he will remember their righteousness no more 
you better turn from your wicked ways and never look back. Repent. Repent. You say, I've tried to do that. Do it again. Do it again. I've come to the altar and prayed and nothing changed. Do it again and again and again. Repent. Die daily. Repent. Ask God to help you. God, help me. God, give me the strength to repent. Hallelujah. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. Yes, it's about turning. And your turning is not complete unless you are baptized. Because that is the ultimate evidence of your turn. That you are buried in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Baptized, baptizo, immersed in the name of Jesus Christ. Let me, let me tell you what happens when you're baptized in Jesus' name. Here's what you have to understand. Your life is being lived out and everything you do or say is being recorded in a book of your life. It's the book. There's a book of Joel's life. Joel's book of life contains everything I have said or done. And I, I don't want anybody to read that book. It's, it's like the worst book. Most of it's boring. And then there's just stuff that I want under the blood of Jesus. There's, listen, you think nobody knows what you've done? It's all recorded. And you will face it in judgment. Everything. Everything you've done. And everything you've said, whether you meant it or not, whether you were joking or not, it's recorded and you will face it in judgment. I'm preaching the book. It's in your book of life. That's Joel's book of life. And I'm going to be judged by it. I'm going to be held to account unless, unless my name is written in another book of life. Because there was another life lived. And this life doesn't have any of, the, any of the disobedience that I have. And this life doesn't have any of the rebellion that I had. And this life doesn't have any of the bitterness that I had or the pride of life or the lust of the flesh that I had. This life was a perfect life. This life was a spotless life. This is the Lamb's book of life. And his life was perfect without flaw. Tempted in all points as we are tempted. But without sin. My name is written in his book. Then what happened in this book is covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. When I am baptized in Jesus' name, it is an identity swap. I get to take on his identity and he takes on my identity. When you saw him on the cross, that was me on the cross, not him. He did it, but it was my sin that he was being punished for. And I, when you see me in glory, understand I'm there because I'm getting his reward, not mine. 
I'm going to be singing and skipping and dancing and rejoicing in the majesty of God. Not because I deserve it, but because he earned it for me. Yes, it's amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. How foolish, how ignorant, how arrogant not to be baptized in Jesus' name. To take on his identity and release yours to him. When I stand before God, I'm I'm coming to a close. Our musicians can come. When I stand before God, I'm going to stand there not, not as Joel. Joel is buried in a watery grave. But the name that I came into as I come up out of that water, that is the judgment I'm going to receive. So when I stand before him and he pronounces me innocent and clean and blameless, it will be because of the name associated now with my life. That's why I want to serve him for the rest of my days. I want to serve him for the rest of my days. Listen, I love him, but the reason I love him is because he first loved me. It's not that I love him that's so amazing. It's the fact that he would love me. That is so amazing. Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Here's what happens when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It is a gift of God. It is the promise of God. And and you don't have to beg for it or plead for it. Believe. It is His Word. It is His promise. And you must be born of the water and spirit to enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's, It's one of the keys to the kingdom. But when you begin to praise Him and worship Him and seek Him and tarry for His Holy Spirit... I want, to, I want to share it with you like this. There's a miracle Jesus performed. It was his first miracle that he performed. And it was at a wedding. And he lined up the water pots. They wanted wine. And he lined up the water pots and said, fill the water pots with water. And when they filled them with water, they were water from the time they started filling them to about a third of the way up to another third of the way up to another third of the way up it was all water but when it reached the brim it was wine that's the way receiving the Holy Ghost works the water pot is your soul and the water is your praise when you begin to fill up that water pot with water just use your natural tongue Lord I love you Lord I praise you you're filling up the water pot Lord I worship you with all of my heart I praise you with everything that I am You are holy, you are mighty, you are glorious, you are excellent, you are beyond anything that I could ever describe. Excellent in all your ways. Your loving kindness is better than life. You better get ready because it's getting ready to reach the brim. 
And when it reaches the brim, you are going to run out of words. You, you, you know he's great, but he's greater than great. You know he's mighty, but he's mightier than mighty. You know he's awesome, but he's more awesome than awesome. And God is ever so lovingly going to come in and say, Here, give me your tongue and let me describe how great I am. And you're going to begin to speak a language just like they did in Acts chapter 2 that you have never learned before. Everybody here remembers when they didn't speak in tongues, but now you speak in tongues with everybody. We can't, we can't quiet you down because it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's the Holy Ghost, that tongue that no man can tame. When you yield it to God, it will bridle the whole body. The infilling of the Holy Ghost will bring your whole body into subjection. Will live like a new man and a new woman in Christ Jesus with righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, living in the kingdom of Almighty God. Hallelujah. I wonder if somebody could lift their hand to the Lord right now. <laughs> making these altars available right now for somebody to come. The Holy Ghost is in this house. Whatever you need, you can find it in the kingdom. If you've never if repented of your sins, please, please, by all means. If you've repented a hundred times and still find it hard to fight the battle of sin and temptation, come, come, come to this altar. In the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it, that's it. Repent of all your sins. <laughs> oh God oh God <laughs> come on these are the keys to the kingdom of heaven in the name of Jesus here's what I want us to do and, and as many as can come please do but here's what I want us to do I want every one of us regardless of how long you've lived for the Lord if you've never lived for the Lord I want every single one of us to repent of our sins today could we do that I want you to take the next few moments and just say, God, I give you everything. You say it in your own words. Hallelujah. I'm going to say it in mine. Lord, I give you everything. I give you my heart. I give you my soul. Lord, I turn from every wicked way. I turn from every presumptuous sin. I turn from all iniquity, all transgression. Lord, my flesh gives me a struggle sometimes, but you are my savior. You are my rock. You are my fortress and my defense. And Lord, I take shelter in you. I pray that you will help me in Jesus' name. Give me strength, oh God, and help me to turn from any way that is not like you. Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Cleanse thou me from things I don't even know I'm doing wrong. And especially for the things I do know. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord, for harboring any iniquity in my heart. Forgive me, Lord, for regarding iniquity in my spirit Lord cleanse me create in me a clean heart renew in me a right spirit purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean wash me and I shall be whiter than snow come on that's it just repent right now turn 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 from wickedness turn from unrighteousness hallelujah turn from sinfulness turn from transgression turn from perversion turn turn from unforgiveness turn 
Hallelujah. Turn. Turn from self-harm. Turn in Jesus' name. Now as we sing, I want you to begin to praise Him like you're filling that water pot with water. I want you to praise Him like you're filling that water pot with water. You just fill it up to overflowing. That's it. Fill it up.